Welcome to Never Forget Your First, the podcast that explores directors' first films. I'm Dom. This is Sparrow. Hello. This is Benas. Hey, how you doing? How you guys doing? Good. Yeah, I'm ready for this. <laughs> ready for this podcast? I think so, like an hour later, yeah. <laughs> now I'm ready. Yeah, in good spirits. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about mid-90s, Jonah Hill's directorial debut. Who'd ever thought that Jonah Hill would make a directorial debut though? Honestly. I know. Just not me, because <laughs> I remember him from like everyone, pretty much everyone else does. Super bad. Super well, bad, actually, yeah. that and Forty Year Old Virgin, right? He was the guy in the, in the eBay store buying these glittery boots. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. Uh, he, he he's just, in he's in a lot of stuff actually. He's in like because you forget he's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He's I do forget uh, yeah. about Forgetting Sarah, Sarah Marshall. Marshall. <laughs> yeah. he's in that. He's quite funny in that. He's in um, Get Him to the Greek. Oh yeah, but that was, yeah, that was, that was Russell dope. Brand. That was same good. same character as um, or because Russell Brand's the same character in those two films. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right. It's like the Russell Brand extended universe. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely has one of those. Um, I uh, I saw Shazam recently. Shazam, bro. Shazam. Oh, wow. There's a certain cameo that uh, I haven't told Sparrow about. I know about it. Yeah, you don't tell him because <laughs> he thinks the cameo is Zach from Thirteen well, Reasons. He is in it though. He Ross, is. There Ross is. Butler. Yeah. What the fuck? I don't, you don't watch Thirteen, do you? Thirteen Reasons Why? Yeah. No, no. There's another cameo which you know. I think you know, <laughs> yeah. which is really related to you, but I can't <laughs> tell you. Okay, dokie. So no, I do. Wanna see, I want to see it. I want to see it for that now. Yeah, you should. Well, for that alone so Shazam what's his superpower he can like he can recognise any music he but <laughs> not like that joke no, has made before he just fair. says Shazam and then he turns into the he's like still the 15 year old kid but he's and I think he's, he's in, more super, uh, more powerful than Superman yeah he is I think by definition he is yeah yeah. but he just, okay. but he's still the 15 year old kid as an adult yeah so, so he, yeah, he, he just makes silly yeah he's an idiot silly decisions and he can probably identify music somehow probably copyright <laughs> What have you guys been watching? Um, I don't know. The you haven't been watching anything. Let's be the, honest. The bees and the birds. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen two films. One was really good. Call me by your name. Yeah. Oh, I saw Call Me by Your Name. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. Recently. Um, I mean, I don't know if we've mentioned it before on the pod, but yeah. So it's set in Italy in the eighties. Yeah. Such um, a nice aesthetic. Yeah. Just a lovely. Fucking makes out of it. Just makes you want to go wanna be there. Yeah. You're not a fan of Call Me by Your Name. Nah. Are you? Nah. Nah. Anyway, call me by your name. Uh, I think a, it's a great movie. Another one I saw. Um, it's called All Summer's End. What? And um, mm, they do. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's it not, classic. Good? not is, classic. What is it? Uh, it's a coming. Is it a coming of age thing? Classic. Probably is. I think. I think it counts as that. It's got the guy from Ready Player One, Ty. Ty Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. Him. Who's also in uh, X Men. Basically, it's kind of a teen love drama I'm not really sure why I watched it to be honest um, <laughs> I think we are you just love coming of age movies and you just got well, I think that's why you watched it yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. it was recommended to you by Netflix quite clearly <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway so Call Me By Your Name is great All Summer's End I yeah. mean not so much <laughs> yeah. Call Me By Your Name had. I just wanted to jump in the film and be in that Italian summer yeah it just has such a nice aesthetic to it I liked it apparently they're making a sequel to that oh, yeah? it's based they on are. a book isn't it's it? a based on a book yeah, yeah. there's another book uh, is it the same characters or is it uh, not sure who knows I've I not quite read liked, the book it's quite an apt thing actually to talk about on this with the 90s because it was it was set in the 80s yeah. but yeah. it didn't feel I mean obviously there's like a I think there's a scene where there's like a cassette player in it or something Yeah, but, but it didn't feel very 80s-esque no because in the way that other things really yeah, it soak themselves in like 80s but like, you have to remember it's set in Europe 80s 
Yeah, it's true. 80s Europe and especially Italy was way different to, let's say, like, well, we're talking about mid-90s later. Um, so America being a big pop culture influence definitely didn't transcend all the way everywhere around Europe in, you know, in the 80s. A lot of it mm, was... Probably a good thing. <laughs> exactly. A lot of it was Soviet-controlled anyways. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It was there were there were hints that it was eighties, but you you wouldn't necessarily. It wasn't. Was it you, weren't, you weren't drenched in it. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, uh, like, was that I refreshing think for you though? Yeah, because yeah. Stranger, something like Stranger Things. I'm sure I was sitting so close to this mic. <laughs> Stranger Things, um, it can't. I, it's great, but I feel like it, it does. Goes for it. it goes for an eighties thing. I think it's, it's kind yeah. of it is kind of trendy to be like really eighties nowadays. Reboot your favorite eighties so TV like, show into a movie. Exactly. It's like, um, Can't wait for a Breakfast Club. What's the other one? Bandersnatch again. It's like heavy. Heavy 80s. Yeah. I did not watch that. Mainly because I heard it just takes fucking ages to get through. It's, only, it's, an, hour, it's an hour and a half. It's, yeah. But it's good. You should watch it. Maybe. I think you'd like it. It's a bit Inception-y how it keeps going back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably just watch it for Charlie Brooker, but I think... Yeah. It's worth a watch. It is worth a watch. Um, I've seen... Uh, I, so I've been using Mubi, thanks to someone on this table. Won't mention who. But I'm looking at them. <laughs> oh, it could be anyone by now. Um, yeah, so I've used Mubi recently, and uh, I've watched two films. One was The Myth of the American Sleepover, which is a directorial debut yeah. by David Mitchell, who did... It Follows, um, and it Under follows the Silver Lake. Under the Silver Lake. Not also, to be confused with the other David Mitchell author. It's a different guy, right? Yes. Um, also, uh, just putting this out, I think this what, this is like the fifth episode of this podcast. I think so. Yep, and it's we really keep sad. plugging Moby. We do. We are not sponsored <laughs> by them. <laughs> or are we? We have, we have mentioned it a lot. I've we're mentioned li- it a lot. Yeah. But it's so good. It's like Netflix for cinephiles. <laughs> it's just, it's Jesus. like... Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I it's can't us. keep plugging it. I'm not going to plug it anymore. Um, we Myth will. Of, yeah, Myth of American Sleepover, it's a coming of age thing. It's, it's, it's good. It's worth a watch. Is that I would a thing, never though? have seen it unless it had been on Moby. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's a really low budget film. Okay. Is that a thing though? Like, um, now, once again, because uh, mid '90s, another directorial debut again, mm. coming of age film. It's got, are coming of age films the best directorial de- debuts to kind of get into, it unless you're very genre specific. Um, yeah, it gives you a kind of like a life you can put on your life experience. Yeah, it's semi. It's usually semi autobiographical. Never really thought of that. And they're not like you don't generally need a crazy budget for them because yeah. if it's just like. Yeah, like you said, semi-biographical. Yeah. It's just yeah. your childhood. There's not that much. Yeah, not that much special crazy. effects going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it's a good point actually. It's just I s- something I picked up recently. Also. I suppose also Weird. they're by nature maybe slightly easier to produce. Well, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. like you're not again you're not a genre thing. Yeah. You're not needing like you know specific lighting or like green screens. Yeah, true. unless you had a wild, <laughs> wild, <laughs> wild upbringing. Fucking doing it. I also watched a tiny film called Peace. It's a hour-long documentary where it just follows this Japanese driver who goes and helps disabled people in Japan. Don't know if you saw it advertised on it. No, it's, just, it's just an hour long no, and yeah. it just follows him. It's actually really cool. Like, there's not much of a story arc. It's more just following what... Sounds like something directed by Jim Jarmusch. It's a sort of Jim Jarmusch. It's like a single camera thing. They go into people's houses. They Patterson pick... in Japan. Yeah, exactly. They just take them... Japan. In... They just take them into their um, into his taxi and drive them around and... It literally is a peaceful watch. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. I watched um. I watched Free Solo. That was oh, really good. I'm gonna watch Dope. that soon. You've not seen it? No. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. It really good. Did you watch? You watched um, it on your iPhone, yeah? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> get yeah. the best experience. Yeah, it's got a cracked screen and everything. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you really get the. It was authentic yeah. in case you know what it's about. The yeah. Edge. yeah. The free um guy who free Alex, free, free, free climbs. Yeah. Alex Arnold. So he's a free soloist. 
Um, and he climbs Yosemite, the yeah. biggest mountain. Yeah, without a rope. So he's yeah. he's, he's, he's the first one to do it that way. Nuts. There's been people that climbed it with ropes, um, but he's the first one to that's, do it that way. That's not. That just makes my palms sweaty thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, like, you gotta be you gotta be pretty fucked. brave. To, well, you gotta be brave to be him, but you also gotta be reasonably brave to be the film crew because they're so <laughs> high up on the side of a cliff. That's so true. Are they also doing it without rope? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the true heroes. <laughs> this is wild. This, is no, this should indie. be making a documentary about us. It's real indie filmmaking. Real indie. Save the budget for the rope. Imagine the documentary about making a documentary about those camera guys. That'd be quite cool. As they're making a documentary about Alex (laughs) (laughs) Free Solo, the camera crew, part four. Um, Probably win an Oscar. Sparrow and I were having a chat recently, which was quite interesting. And when you Google this, there's not really any info on it. But basically, you know, when you buy a DVD and you get the special features, which I'm sure all of us were probably into at some point. Yeah, you get behind the scenes. You get to hear like directors, actors, commentary. Yeah, yeah. Netflix has never provided special features on anything on their platform, to my knowledge. So it doesn't. I don't think you can. When you go to play something, you can't scroll down and be like, "Oh, special features." But we were saying it's kind of a shame they've like omitted that, and it almost feels like there's a whole potential. I don't know, like streaming service. Isn't that the incentive to buy the actual DVDs then? Because well, they that, keep pumping. That, well, that's, that's actually true. Because that, one of the reasons I buy DVDs, apart from it's for the special features, old media. Yeah. Is, um, but yeah, no, I, do, I do like the director's commentary. But so eventually, like, DVDs are, begin, are going to become obsolete. It's true. just like VHS. It's just a thing, isn't it? But does that does that mean special features will become obsolete? Can't do that because it's, it's like, as far look so um, <laughs> as far as like they can't no! they can't do it. <laughs> no, you just stock up on DVD players. I'll back Sparrow up on this mainly because look, so Netflix doesn't do special features. A, that's a big incentive to keep selling that and uh, it's also a, a secondary revenue for it people still buy DVDs so it's, uh, not as much but do Netflix make money also, from that? Uh, why would it make money off the DVDs? Well, that's right. so isn't it in their interest to get special features on Netflix so you'll stop buying DVDs and start not really because uh, the movie, company, movie companies that they still get that revenue going for it so you know for them it's, uh, they sell the rights uh, to Netflix for I don't know, for like a couple of months to to show that film yep. but then the DVD is still circulating outside there so people still buy it um, and you know things like Blu-ray and Ultra HD like 4K that it's is still popular things very lucrative and it, even more now becoming now you know those 4K 8K uh, TVs because so. Sparrow is like the only person I know who still buys DVDs I've got a big stack yeah <laughs> still do it still do it but it's partly because is that because of the special well, so, features well, there's a couple of reasons sometimes like um, the internet even in this day and age does cock up so it's, yeah. DVDs are back up but yeah. also with certain films it is because of the features yeah. like Good Time for example I was like I knew it had the uh, director's commentary on it so yeah, which looks great. I purposely yeah. that was one of the reasons but Netflix are potentially missing a trick with their own with their own shows yeah. as in special features for their own shows because yeah. like, you can't get them anywhere yeah. Stranger Things or any of their movies uh, yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of episodes on on Netflix on Stranger Things where they've done like a behind the scenes yeah, yeah, because they, they, yeah okay. they do behind the Stranger Things yeah yeah. okay so maybe they maybe they're, 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 with, their, with their homegrown stuff that yeah, they have there's the, no point to you know yeah. like, it's just an interesting thing it's like you know it's kind of disa- it disappears if you only use streaming really yeah if you don't I, buy DVDs, but you want to see special features like me, you either have to buy DVDs or YouTube it and hope someone's. Yeah, I do wonder what the market up. is though, because obviously we all we love films, so mm. we're kind of interested in it. But I do wonder what the wider the average film goer. Yeah, but I imagine some people back in the in their childhood have fond memories of like, you know, going through the DVD menus and and just seeing the. Yeah, I still uh, do. Yeah. yeah, I remember watching. Uh, well, although, not. Uh, oh, fuck it. Yeah. 
It's one of the greatest films ever. Yeah, fuck it. What? Um, Jane Silent uh, Bob Strike Back. Yeah, okay. Such a dope movie. And I remember just scrolling through the deleted scenes because there's so many on that DVD. It's actually. another thing, deleted scenes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I remember just going through it. Like, just, yeah, they're actually really good scenes. I'm, I'm, I don't know why they didn't make it. I don't really care why they didn't make it. Um, but while we're on the subject of Netflix, I uh, recently read that they're looking to acquire um, uh, an AMC, I think it was, no, it's not the AMC theater. Or it might be, I don't know. But basically, yeah, they're trying to buy a th- uh, movie theater to show their, I'm guessing, their own movies on 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 the big screen in order to compete for the Oscars. Because obviously, That's cool. Roma was oh, through Curzon, um, at yeah. least in this country, I think. You have to have a theatrical release. Because they had to, yeah. what, so they're trying to buy a theater in LA? So yeah, they can, exactly. Just for that reason. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I thought this is interesting. And, you know, um, it's because... Obviously, a lot of people are still on the fence about Netflix, you know, not showing films on the big screen, yeah. um, and not, and hence why they're not working with them. Yeah. So I think this this might just bridge the gap. It's quite cool. There's a, I mean, Spielberg already already joined the dark side, I suppose. But you know, joined Apple know. TV's new streaming service. A lot of people have joined yeah. the dark side, like Fincher, um, the Coen Brothers. Yeah. I think Battle of the Buster Scruggs was made from Netflix. That was dope. Uh, the Irishman by Martin Scorsese is through Netflix. Um, and that's like, I recently found out the budget is 140 million. Is that like the highest Netflix has given? Yeah, but the reason is, I don't know if you know much about this film, but it's got Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino in it. And they're de-aging all of them, which is why the budget is so big, because the special effects to okay. cost to do it is so high. The teasers um, that look great. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. If it's got, if it's got, if it's Scorsese and it's got them in it, then you yeah. think it's a, yeah, an insta classic. Should we move on to uh, mid nineties? Mm, yeah, uh, the film of the hour. Film of the hour. So, uh, Sparrow and I saw this at the cinema last week. You saw this a couple, s- couple months back, I think. Yeah, so and a obviously couple seen months. it recently. Yeah, we thought it'd be appropriate to give each of us nicknames. Seeing as in the film, nicknames is a big thing with Sunburn. Call me by your nickname. Hey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> you killed my buzz. <laughs> so, Sparrow, your nickname's uh, Teal. Accepted. It was It was born out of... I'm not even sure what it was born out of, but your nickname's Teal. The letter Teal. T and... You Seal. You were drinking a tea and we're talking about Seal. Your nickname's Teal. Ben asked, you're drinking a beer, so we're going to call you Brew. Makes sense to me. Mine is uh, <laughs> from the film slightly. Oh yeah, I, I got I got nicknamed third grade because I said that fourth grade was my favorite character from mid nineties. Most relatable. Most relatable. Yeah. <laughs> which there was a big silence and then a big laugh. <laughs> Default understood reasons. So um, so yeah, let's let's proceed like let's that. Get into it, man. Yeah. Let's, let's go third grade. Hey. <laughs> no worries, Teal. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hill has gone from super bad to uh, Moneyball, Wolf of Wall Street. I've read recently that he's like always wanted to be a director and a writer. Yeah, I, which I is read quite that a, as well. Yeah. A, well, it was quite a big... I, I thought it was a bit of a revelation because I just assumed that he wanted to be an actor. I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, okay, he says that he always wanted to be that and I obviously I'm going to take him at, at his word because, you know, I, I, I don't know him from Adam anyways. Um, so... You know, but then you have a lot of actors that do make that transition anyways. You have Angelina Jolie, who made... Uh, Unbreakable. Unbreakable, yeah. Clint Thank Eastwood. You. Thank you. Yeah, Clint. Oh, sorry. I mean, no. he, oh, you, you're talking <laughs> yeah. about actors turned directors? Yeah, yeah. But I, I was still trying to come up with that name, Unbreakable, and you came out with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bradley, yeah, Clint Bradley Eastwood. Cooper. Yeah, yeah there's, exactly. There's plenty. There's yeah. plenty. And they all, like Bradley Cooper, he was no one that said he always wanted to be a director. Mm. So, you know... Probably that's always the end game. I don't know. Yeah, I um, think what I what I liken it to is like you could 
because uh, he's obviously worked with Martin Scorsese on Wolf of Wall Street. It's he's worked like, with a lot of great directors. Yeah, actually. it's like the best film school you could ask for, isn't it? Yeah, you're working with all these people. The thing I find about, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's overly surprising for Jonah Hill because at the beginning of his career, he was like super bad. He was really only in those kind of silly. He was in that knocked up crew of those comedies. Yeah, but then subsequently the he's, he's done he's done a, he's done yeah, a lot true. of like ser- like so, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Well, that's not serious, but kind um, of is. Moneyball, oh, Moneyball, Money yeah. War Dogs. Like he he has like spread his. Um, <laughs> He's kind of spread into different genres, yeah. So, so, so I'm not, I'm not, not mad, surprised that he yeah, wants not, to. Not madly surprised. Yeah. I'm not given what he's done. Yeah, yeah, that's think, fair. No, that makes sense. Um, so this was produced by A24, uh, Waypoint Entertainment, and Scott Rudin Productions. But I think A24 must have been the lead production company because at the start of the film, you have that's A- pretty dope. A24 yeah. spell out in skateboards, yeah, and then it gets yeah. crashed into. So yeah, yeah, I think they're... Absolutely, yeah. But it's no, got their fingerprints all over it. They did Lady Bird, right? Um, are you just... Good film. Saying it because Lucas Edges is in this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm not, but you're bringing that up because Lucas Edges is in it. <laughs> we'll come to Lucas Edges. Do you think it's a risk, this kind of film, like mid-90s? Uh, it's a relatively low risk, um, mainly because you got a bunch of unknowns, let's face it. Yeah, they're unknown actors, aren't they? I wouldn't, like, again, Lucas Edges. Yeah. Um... I think the nature of this sort of film is um, it's not to everyone's cup of tea. So some people really like it, the kind of almost meandering structure of it. And some people I think really a- can't stand it because it doesn't... Some people just love a formulaic film. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. And I mean, look, so I think it's a bigger risk for Jonah Hill than it is for the production company because they will always uh, get their money back anyway somehow, whether it's through Netflix or through Amazon Prime or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but for Jonah Hill to actually have this kind of like almost niche kind of film as his first directorial debut is a, a bit of a you know a bit of a shock to the system because he's known for his comedic roles this is a way more serious type uh, type of movie uh, I mean like you got uh, for example where is Brad- Bradley Cooper he made a remake another remake of A Star is Born right so that's kind of safe picture although it did take him like 10 years to make it because nobody wanted to give him that movie mm-hmm. it was still kind of safe also, because when you've got Lady Gaga, who the fuck is not going to go see that now? And Bradley Cooper playing an alcoholic? Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but either way, going back to mid-90s, it, it it feels like this is more risky for Jonah Hill than it is for... for yeah, the that's interesting. Company. We should go through the synopsis of the film for listeners. Um, so, it follows Stevie, a 13-year-old in the 1990s era Los Angeles, who spends his summer navigating between his troubled home life and a group of new friends that he meets at a Motor Avenue skate shop. Pretty straightforward. And that's essentially yeah. what the film really is. Follows and what it is, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of this meandering kind of conversational... He's like, following the group of friends once he's in the group. Yeah, and how he kind of goes up in the group, I think, a bit as well. Like, he kind of starts as the little kid that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like... He's uh, so excited to get them water at the start, and then yeah, he suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. goes up the ranks and gets his own board. I mean, he's and- kept over that. Ruben, uh, Ruben. Ruben, the other kid, yeah. So there's, 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 five, there's five guys in the gang... There's there's Ray who's the kind of the leader. Yeah. Um, the pro and, skater guy. Yeah. Probably like the best skateboarder. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's, there's fuck a, shit. Fuck shit. So that is his actual. That's pretty much just describes his character. Yeah. yeah that's his great. nickname because he always says fuck and then shit. <laughs> um, Makes sense. There's fourth grade, who. Yeah. He's isn't all... so much into this. He's into skating, but he's not so much of a skate no. skater. He's as the one that films them. He films them. it, he and films therefore them. he's sort of into it in some degree because he's kind yeah. of he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. keeping he's, it. He's definitely part of the crew because he films their tricks and stuff. And then you have got Ruben, and then you have got Stevie. So Ruben's younger though. Ruben's Ruben. the younger one. 
Well, Ruben and Stevie are both but younger. They're both younger, yeah. Ruben's younger yeah. than them. Closer in age. I thought a really interesting thing about this, um, about reading around about it, was that Jonah Hill said the only film that he showed the 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 kids, the basically non-actors, was This Is England by um, Shane Meadows, which I suppose is a similar setup of a kid that kind of... Kid gets into a group. Yeah, adopted yeah, by yeah, a crew. Sure. He also made a point to not show them lots of other coming-of-age things because he didn't want them to... I think, from what I understand, he didn't want them to get like formulaic in their head of how it should be. Yeah, 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 because he wanted... Kind of a, natural, a more natural aesthetic to it. Yeah. And I mean, well, you've got coming of age films. That's that's one thing here. But then you've got films like, you know, the escape films. And then you've got the... This is very hip-hop influence, isn't it? Because it's very present in this... It's LA, it's mid-90s. I mean, the hip-hop, the hip-hop scene and rap scene was pretty, was pretty, pre- pretty, was pretty big, big, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's still like a big part of this movie. Um, so it doesn't glamorize either of those things. It just kind of it is what it is. Kind of yeah. just puts you in where, where yeah. it kind of wants you, and doesn't expect you to have a a bigger sense of this uh, than it should be, which is basically a kid rolling around on a skateboard in LA. Yeah. So uh, it's, in, it's England. It's interesting that they sh- he showed them. This is England. Um, obviously, it's a, about a kid who kind of gets into into a gang, but also that just the a lot of that film is like heavy on race. Mm. Yeah. This is England. That's that's a big part of that film. Yeah. Um, which is just I don't know. It's just it's not it's not the kind of typical film that I don't. It wouldn't jump to me as something to show. It's them. An interesting well, point. I, I suppose it's it, it, but it has the same kind of naturalistic. This is just life unfolding, as Benos was saying, as opposed to you know something like Me and Earl, yeah. which is quite a more stylized coming mm-hmm. of age film that maybe wants to send a, a more direct, obvious message yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think mid nineties is very much up for you to to look at. And I think what's tied into that is the fact that it doesn't. Although this is my opinion, is that it doesn't romanticize the past or make it seem like it's this other better era before us. It yeah. just the yeah, movie yeah. lives in this space that you are watching it and you're not. You yeah, know. it's like a time capsule captured basically, and now yeah. you're showing it now. Yeah, in, let's say 2019. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. It it is um, just what it is, how it felt back then. It's not saying that it was better because I know there was no technology or lack of you know smartphones, whatever. Yeah. Although I couldn't help but think that when I was watching it, I was like, oh, "What the fuck is this, gonna, this kid going to pull out a smartphone?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> so I kind of almost wish I grew up in this era where <laughs> where you just didn't have any screens around it's you." Proper, it is a proper snapshot. Yeah, a- that's another thing he's uh, read into it with Jonah Hill. He said that like back then you didn't. You wouldn't have, uh, well, you didn't have, obviously, everyone having like a cell phone and stuff in the 90s, the kids especially. So your bonding is uh, is without those distractions of those screens. Yep. So when you're waiting for a bus, you're not plugging your music into your, uh, although you had a Walkman, yeah, so yes, sure. Yeah. But you didn't like pull out your Instagram feed or whatever. You, you actually just bonded with people that were around you. Yeah, it's so, so true nowadays. If you wait, the first thing you do is pull out your phone. Yeah. If- I remember when I got my first mobile, actually. I think I was like... 12, 13? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Were yeah. you about the same yeah, yeah, age? Yeah, yeah, so? Nokia 3310i, the dark blue with the and yeah, orange. And those are, those are pretty, those are pretty basic phones, yeah. Well, basic, but it meant you were connected, right? You yeah, could talk it, to people. Yeah, and like, now you weren't actually as isolated as you were back then. So, especially yeah. in But maybe film. you never even thought about the isolation back then. No, because you kind of like... There was a different kind of understanding of each other because even here, he... Uh, Stevie yeah. he joins that crew almost effortlessly he just hangs around long enough until they ask him to bring water yeah um, so that's how he doesn't like of, one uh, of their Instagram posts yeah yeah that's how, how like kind of it was even let's say I don't know in early 
2000s yeah you know you would hang around like the basketball crew long enough and they will they will enjoy you uh, you know your company and they will you know invite you for a game or whatever yeah. and that's it and that's how you you know that's how got those, accepted in yeah those friendships bonded and started I think um, it definitely draws a comparison to Skate Kitchen, which I want to come on to later, not now, but because um, that's a more contemporary skate film, which Word. ties into what we're talking about. Word. Word. Yo. Uh, yo, I got a board. Your favorite line of Skate Kitchen. Yeah, that's a great line. The kind of aesthetic of this film is probably the thing that stood out the most to me. You know, when, it's, when it starts playing, it's like, it's in 4-3, it's on... You know, which means it's a square on the screen, essentially like old skate movies. It's yeah. it's shot in sixteen mil. I I found that the camera was just always locked off. It just never moved. There was never any handheld scenes. I never wanted you to like feel something through the camera work. They were David Fincher esque. Yeah, it was a bit Fincher esque. It was a kind of static camera movement. I wonder whether though a reason for that is also at the end when they show fourth grades film that he makes which is all on a kind of camcorder yeah it really that's all obviously handheld so that kind of jumps it, it, jar, it jars with it, it. Yeah. Well, it just, it's just it's, it's in contrast to the rest of the movie yeah and it's quite long that film at the end as well it's like a couple of minutes that, that was about brilliant. four four yeah. or five minutes that was a brilliant piece because it shows loads of you've seen him filming bits of that film He was all, everyone was always being like oh you can't film anything or you, you know everyone's like putting him down and he oh, kind yeah. of even, he, even the girls were like well you know why his name is fuck shit no, no it, it, it was about fuck shit yeah, like, yeah that was about fuck, fuck shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah that's fine yeah. yeah, I didn't see that but with third grade uh, fourth grade not third grade that's that's me no it's, I think people just put him down and they yeah, and he just didn't yeah. have any yeah he didn't have any confidence yeah and he's then just quite shy he saw an opportunity at the end to put the film on mid 90s mid 90s which I also loved oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he must have edited it in camera because he connects his camera yeah. which is well, so cool and like like you, you got to remember, uh, so this is mid '90s, right? What comes to my mind uh, is Robert Rodriguez making his short films, and he would edit in camera. Yep. So he, when he made El Mariachi, he kind of pretty much edited it in camera, honestly. So I mean, that blows my mind. That blows my mind, but then, then again, it's another extra, extra, um, this extra thing that you know brings it back into that era without you actually thinking about it yeah because nowadays you can just pop into your Final Cut Pro or whatever and just chop it up in a couple seconds exactly yeah back then you kind of actually had to film about uh, think about what is what this is actually going to come up yeah end up looking like I'm a big believer in that I think maybe that leads to better better films better films because you're you're more hands on thinking about it you're constantly thinking about what the final product is not just shot by shot one of you guys just said it like they kind of uh, injected that footage uh, organically so it was in film yeah you know so it wasn't just like uh, just like a behind the scenes type thing it was like no this him filming it had a purpose to it yeah, yeah and so. that's what he'd been doing in every scene yeah. as Sparrow was saying was yeah, always, yeah. In, always in the background filming yeah, something exactly. wrong name Teal Teal Teal, Teal did something Teal Characters that I was like, what the fuck? Either wired in the what film the fuck shit. or what the fuck shit? Yeah. For example, first of all is Lucas Hedges' character who plays Stevie's brother. Lucas Hedges has been in his <laughs> back. He's been in a lot oh of movies God. recently where he seems to play a, a very fucking dude. similar character. Yeah. Of, I'm not sure if that was just like a thing he was going through. Um, his characterization is basically being aggressive to people, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, right? But okay, so he's uh, he's the older brother of Stevie, right? And okay, first of all, they're like little rumbles 
They're not rumbles. This guy's straight up beating the shit out of a fucking ten-year-old. Yeah, yeah it's it's true. true. That's just abuse. It's I think they turn they turn the sound up, especially in our cinema. The very first uh, scene first, yeah. when yeah. he gets hit against yeah. the wall, it sounded it's, like it's like meat being tenderized. Yeah, <laughs> sounded like Bane punching Batman. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, hmm, this is a bit. So out what's there. your issue with that then? So my issue is that, um, especially like the last beatdown, um, just he smacks him in the fucking face by that point, yeah. and then he kind of goes in. He he kind of like. Um, so Stevie runs off and then he kind of just sits back with a t-shirt over his face and he's kind of just being hysterical about it I'm like this is an 18 year old let's say almost a grown up right Mm. Um, who clearly has bigger issues than Stevie yet no one wants to address this yeah like I mean, he's very you had aggressive. A, you had a point about that that scene you know when he pulls his shirt over his head it's like a PTSD I thought he he was kind of I thought what you you said was that basically he, he had said to Stevie earlier earlier on when Stevie came home you know, don't don't do this. Don't get caught in going out and drinking and oh yeah, and doing and all this. Like, oh, you're fucking uh, up. You're fucking up. Yeah, you're fucking up, and that's why because he, he can see it happening. Yeah, and yeah. I think when Stevie ran off and did his own thing, I think it was a double-edged sword of like, I don't want him to to mess up, but also maybe he had something that he and didn't, an, and then he's annoyed at himself. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I thought that was a bit... done well, a great job well, of dissecting well, that. But, you, but you're right, Ben. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's too strong it's, for... It's one thing to like kind of have a bit of a ramble, but that's just... It is just plain abuse. Like, yeah. He just beats the shit out of him. Yeah. yeah. And then like... Um, got who the mother So you're saying that because, because they weren't addressing that, that was yeah, an issue? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because he, he clearly has bigger issues than uh, Stevie does. Um, also, why the fuck is he drinking so much orange juice? Is beyond me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, never thought, I thought he had vodka in him by one point, but I guess not. Maybe that's why he was beating him so much. He had vodka in it. Maybe, Maybe. I don't know. Either way, he, that last beatdown, it looked more like a PTSD breakdown now mm. um, than anything else. Because like I grew up with my brothers, we didn't beat the shit out of each other like that. Yeah, they definitely had a, a violent relationship. Those two. I Very think as, as Stevie went through the crew and got and built up he kind of found his own footing and away yeah. from his brother yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the mother as well um so okay I, she's obviously caring and stuff uh, and especially in the scene where it kind of drags him into that into, into the, the skate store. shop yep oh shit i know we're way in but spoilers whatever uh, <laughs> we're never going to remember to say that <laughs> yeah um yeah so obviously she's caring but so you have those scenes where like a guy walks out of the bathroom and Stevie's just like, what the fuck? Who's this guy now? So you feel like there's a revolving door of guys going into that house, right? Um, there's obviously no father present. Right. Right. So obviously there's, there's a, a mix, m- I don't know, mixed feeling who's, who's like, the, who's meant to take care of who here. Yeah. Because although, uh, so Stevie's bro- brother is beating the shit out of him. Uh, Stevie's mother's trying to keep nursing him like he's still seven yeah. um, so there's no real relation of who's actually in control here um, so and I felt like her story yeah because he there's Lucas Hedges he says something like um, when to Stevie when they were playing I guess Street Fighter 2 yeah I'm guessing that's a guess oh uh, they were playing Tony Hawk's I think oh was it Tony Hawk's yeah I think so. Big up Tony Hawk's yeah, that game. I think that was there was there for, because of the skateboarding sick dope um, yeah so he says some, some along the lines of and I'm only paraphrasing here, but he says something like, uh, "When I was, uh, when when Steve was little, and when Lucas Hedges' character was little, um, their mother was way different." She, he's like, yeah. oh, "There was uh, like a revolving I, I, door of door of yeah." Uh, yeah. Which, of by guys. the way, one of those guys, the cameo, the, the one of the guys that comes out is <laughs> yeah. the writer of Kids, uh, which right, a lot of people okay. are drawing comparisons to because Kids is a is it's a an film. Obvi- is an obvious one yeah, to draw back. It's to, a 1995 film about kids growing up in New York City. Yeah. Right? 
in, I, and it's set in the year it's actually it was actually made. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely felt that vibe in the first like maybe the first twenty minutes or so. Yeah, but anyway, um, he's he plays the cameo, the writer, as one of the guys who's coming out of the mum's bedroom. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so there's a little bit unexplained here. There's there's a weird hierarchy going on at the house. Um, other than that, those two characters, they, so basically, felt underwritten. That's all yeah. it was for me. One thing though is, so Stevie goes and joins the the skate gang, the crew. But he, he tries, but he tries to kind of reach out and befriend his brother at the beginning because he he buys him a CD uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. he doesn't, which he knows his brother doesn't have. Yeah. So he tries to kind of be mates with his brother, and his brother rejects him. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I really like that scene uh, when he at, kind at of goes into, into the into his uh, into his bedroom. And he's kind of just like checking out the weights and stuff. That has, That's that, awesome. It's a really great intro. Yeah. I think. To to their dynamic and how it plays yeah. out. Like, <laughs> stay the fuck out of my room. <laughs> stay out of my room, Stevie. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you're right. Uh, so he tries to bridge that whatever gap there is, but then again, yeah, and he's he's like very bitter about it. So I'm not sure why he's. You're never sure why the fuck he's so bitter about it. I think yeah. his brother his brother's going through something, and the the, the fact is the story's about Stevie, and it's at such a slim film of like 90 minutes. The story's about Stevie, but Lu- Lucas Lucas Hedges is a key part because he's part of the he kind of one of the reasons Stevie wants the escapism of the skate gang. Yeah, yeah, is um is because of his brother. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. Because his brother's being so violent. <laughs> oh, and that kind of like almost role reversal um, of um, fuck shit just kind of stepping up to Stevie's brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I, a I great really like that scene. That. I when, forgot about that. When um, uh, he does the trick next to his brother yeah. and he's like, Bro, I'm sorry, what are you doing? If you're not been hit by a skateboard in your shin, you will not understand the pain. Yeah. That looked like it hurt. I found that scene um, funny only because Lucas Hedges was wearing like the baggiest <laughs> clothing ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's you're right. Like, and I mean, it just looks silly, but I mean, it's just a recreation, yeah. isn't it? The well, 90s. That and the fact that he was he was probably pocketed more orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> even at the end, he just pours out two, two canisters of orange juice. Yeah. It's a thing for him, I guess. It was his, it was his thing. I'm guessing it was Sunny D because it was the 90s. Yeah. Um, he loved that stuff. I, I thought the film had this this mix of like subtlety and brutality so brutality even so you had this <laughs> brutality not brutality um, yeah I, th- I thought the film had this thing this thing between uh, subtlety and brutality because you had the be- you had so you say you had the beat downs with the brother you had whenever he was skating there seemed to be some massive fall and obviously there's the big fall that he doesn't make the jump that's yeah. brutal and he, yeah and he falls so there was a lot of hitting in the face but then there was also the, the 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 flip side of that was that when he got accepted in the gang the kind of um ray and fuck shit kind of took him under his wing and they were it, there were some really nice scenes between them yeah. yeah i felt like they there was a nice emotional level between the crew yeah but then something would just happen like stevie would fall over or his mum would come in and pull him from the gang oh, yeah I, I kind of feel like i really liked that because i feel like a lot of coming of age films rely on the tropes of you know like music and camera work and a lot of different ways to try and evoke a certain like moral from you whereas I felt like that's kind of more like real life things just come out of nowhere and hit you and you've got to just deal with it I quite liked that that last uh, skate party party scene yeah where the guy's just like chugging 40s Uh, no Stevie's oh Stevie yeah yeah, Stevie's getting wasted which is completely wasted (laughs) and Ray just comes over like like, takes takes. I really liked Ray he he was cool yeah I uh, I thought he was probably I don't maybe not the best not my favourite character yeah Um, he was definitely great who's your favourite great at it Um, (laughs) 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 I love the scene with Ray when he uh, when he sits Stevie down 
and they have that kind of oh. chat outside the back of the shop you know yeah, he yeah, tells yeah, them about yeah, yeah. you wouldn't yeah. trade your shit for someone else's I I kind of feel like that was the one one of the only big emotional scenes of the film for can... me it was uh, one one scene that I, I maybe I related related it to my own kind of like past experience but it was uh, when so the the crew's like sitting together yeah and uh, they're just kind of talking about what it wouldn't do in the future so um uh, fourth grade gets put down for wanting to make a film yeah um, which is fucking terrible it's like what the fuck yeah um, whereas like fuck shit just wants to get party just wants to party right yeah and Ray Ray kind of kind of like butts head that's I think that was might have been the first kind of big scene where they butt heads yep um, and he's like you know I, I don't want I want to get out of the hood and he's and fuck shit he's like well I'm not in the hood well and that, at that point you understand that although they're best friends they're not from the same, the same place. place because fuck shit also says oh my parents have taken me to some um, swanky psychiatrist give yeah, me the, yeah give yeah. me these pills yeah you know, exactly. he gives them the pills on the bus before so he's he's probably having like some nice cush suburban life whereas yeah. Ray he actually wants to make something of himself so that's why yeah. he's Ray's got the drive to become a pro skateboarder whereas exactly. fuck shit is kind of happy to just keep well, drinking and yeah yeah, 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 and then you know, and Stevie as the person who wants to kind of like fit in, you can see that he's not sure who to kind of who. Yeah, he who's kind of wants to. Lead. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to like just be happy in that place because he's found his happy kind of place. Yeah, uh, so he's not sure who to kind of like. Do I take this seriously or do I not take this seriously? Yeah. Am I here just for the fifteen minutes of fame, or whatever? Yeah, you know? one so, bit I found really uncomfortable um, was when near the end. When, cause obviously, yeah, like you said, Ray takes his skateboarding seriously and actually wants to do something with it. Yeah. Where he's tr- speaking to those pro skateboarders and then fuck shit, it's kind of, he comes over to the group <laughs> oh, yeah. and basically balls up the conversation and it's yeah. just like, it just makes you wince because it's like, uh, you, oh, you, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fucking up Ray's gig. Yeah, it's yeah. like, and and th- and fourth grade is kind of looking over, just being like, it's like uh, should, I, should I introduce should yourself? I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should I go over and do something? My um, it's just, that was a dick move by fuck shit. Talking about that That's scene, the point, actually, though. the the scene afterwards when um when fuck shit is clearly wasted. Yeah. Uh, right I, to my, that was my bit, and I chatted to Sparrow about this earlier. My my biggest issue was just that bro, his r- name is Teal. Teal. I chatted to Teal earlier. Third grade. <laughs> Um, me and Teal were chatting and uh, they voluntar- voluntarily get in the car with fuck shit who's when he, driving who's wasted and I feel like Ray's character just wouldn't have let that happen I, I just think he would have been like we're not getting in this car while you're like this well you say that but you, you know because this um, throughout this movie there's been such camaraderie going on um, you don't think you, you just at that point I don't think you would also in the 90s drink driving wasn't such a big thing wasn't so stigmatized. It was just like ah, just don't tell anyone. That's yeah. fair. I yeah, and maybe that's the way out. But I think because fuck shit had been drunk the scene before and had ruined something because he was drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was pissed off in that, so he was just like, dude, we're not going to this party. We'll just drop us fucking home. Yeah. Um, and he's like, no one's having a good time here anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, he actually says that. It's like no one in this car is having a good time anymore. So yeah. just drop us home and just fuck, split. It's yeah. a great cut as well. It stops on um, it's on fourth grade's face. It just like freezes on Look, it. That's cool. I really like that. Yeah, it yeah. kind of flashes and the stops. first time yeah. I was like, what the fuck? This kind of like yeah. took me out of this movie for a bit. It, it, oh, it, Maybe that's the point. Not to draw any comparisons between the actual moral thing of the scene, but it really reminded me of in The Dark Knight when Rachel's tied up and there's a scene where she where just before oh, it explodes yeah, yeah. they shine a light on her face. It's like a similar okay thing where then it and then it cuts. Um I just had to throw a nona in there. You know well, you, you know how it it's, is. Uh, it's, <laughs> I could see one, one I could po- see Teal smiling. One per podcast basically. One per yeah. podcast. Um what's your favourite scene? I mean we kinda covered it but we well, did mid nineties. Yeah. Um my favourite scene is with the homeless guy when they're in the skate park and fuck oh, shit yeah. and Ray 
sit with the homeless guy and I think you were saying earlier the that for some reason that scene had a real like documentary yeah, feel. yeah yeah because there was um fourth grade who had his camera pointed at them so he was filming it yeah and then so now you have this actual external camera that you know now that you know you're kind of out of this movie now yeah now you're watching something unfold now that's so true that scene you did feel a little bit like you were kind of like it just as everything paused for a bit and it's like let's just listen to this guy who who's yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and i think it, i think it was there and i've heard jonah hill say i've heard jonah hill say i've read that nice. jonah hill has said it's his favorite scene of the film yeah. and i think maybe that's because it just shows that the skaters in the, at that time were kind of people that were on the street that you know he, I seen that guy was homeless. Yeah, yeah. So he, they were just, you know, they they had a camaraderie going on between them. Like um, they could chat and because the whole thing understand the, each other. Throughout the movie, uh, skaters were kind of marginalised, weren't they? Like um, Steve's mother thought they were just like fucking gang, yeah. just doing drugs. And that security guard. That That reminded me of Days and Confused, actually. Um, yeah, tries, the security guard tries to throw them out of the complex, and, and he's just, just like, "Oh Jesus, you Cheryl Crow looking guy. <laughs> Jesus smokes cigarettes. <laughs> oh, what he smoke? Oh, it was um, really good. It was the fact it just went on that scene. Yeah, like, yeah, like, you would I never like, expect the it. Fuck. The relationship between Steve and Ruben was interesting. So yeah. Ruben's, Ruben is slightly younger than the other three in the gang or the group. But he's still older than Stevie, right? Yeah, still older than Stevie. So when Stevie comes in, he's kind of, not under Ruben, but like he kind of almost looks up to, well, he does look up to Ruben a little bit, even though he's only a tiny bit older. For like but 10 as, minutes. But as the film yeah. goes on, you basically Stevie becomes cooler than Ruben. Yeah. And it and is you referred- can see You can see Ruben... The, the, the anxiety, not yeah. anxiety, but the tension building. Yeah, because it's it's referred to back a few times when that when he Stevie does his big fall, Ruben has to take his t-shirt off yeah. to and give him like, oh, wait, my favorite t-shirt. <laughs> but also when Stevie um gets with the girl at the party, oh yeah, yeah, Ruben is you know like oh you know he he didn't hook up with anyone, he, so he, it's he, not you know so basically uh, Stevie starts as the outside and then is Ruben who becomes the, the outsider, outsider because yeah. in that party scene you got. <laughs> Stevie, how old is Stevie in this fucking film? I think he's 11, 12. He's 11, right? Yeah. So he, this guy, you got him smoking weed, chugging 40s, which is basically the massive beer bottles. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've chugged a 40 before. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, so then... He's doing he, a lot of adult stuff, basically. A lot of uh, adult stuff. And he yeah. kind of, and at one point, he kind of passes, uh, passes. I think, I can't remember, it was a pipe. Yeah. yeah. It was a pipe. Yeah. And he kind of passes on to Ruben, who says, like, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And at that point, he kind of, that's the point where you, you're like, oh, this is the guy who's who became Stevie now. Yes. You know? Yes. I There was an interesting shot when they dropped Ruben at home, when he yeah. waited until the car had gone, and Stevie looked out the back of the car, and Ruben just skated off. Goes downstairs. It, yeah, it, it kind oh. of said two things. I think one was like maybe Ruben's home life isn't that great, but yeah. also that like he just wants to carry on boarding, and he doesn't want to yeah. go and do this other stuff. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, the sh- um, so the way I thought about it. So I thought that uh, Stevie is a younger version of fuck shit. And <laughs> Ruben is um, the younger version of Ray. Ray. Yeah, Be- because the Ray obviously he he doesn't come from an ideal uh, ideal home. Yeah. His brother was killed um, by a hit and run, and then you've got um, Ruben, who's apparently his mother, who gets drunk and and just pounds on him and his sister. Yeah. So you've got very similar uh, family home dynamics here, and then you've got fuck shit who who comes from a good place supposedly. And, Supposedly, yeah, and uh, so you've got Stevie, who, although yes, she's a single mom, um, 
He wasn't his real re- threat at home is Lucas Hedges. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. Punching him. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, well, all right. Ben is back. He's like, fuck, Ben is back now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that those those two were like the flip side of each other. That's coin. interesting. Yeah. I don't think There's about it. There's a great chat about the nicknames as well. Where Stevie gets his nickname. Yeah. And then Ruben doesn't have one. It's like, well, Ray's the coolest out of all of us. And, and he, he hasn't got a nickname. One, yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, so true. I guess it's and better few, not to have a nickname. It's and like, a few times it's. I guess, yeah. And a few times, like, they, they actually skipped the... Well, it's usually when Stevie just fucking almost dies, where he he falls off, uh, off the roof of the thing trying to... Uh, do the jump. Do the jump. Yeah. And that, that's what he... They're like, oh, Stevie, Stevie's not... When when he realizes he's still alive, then they're like, oh, uh, somebody. Yeah. Then, uh, again, in the car crash scene, then they refer back to Stevie. Oh, interesting. So, I did not I did not notice that. Um, yeah, so it's like okay, so because he's doing these things, like he's kind of like he's clearly not qualified to do to do jump, you know, even to yeah. be a fucking riding shotgun in that car. Yeah. Um. So they kind of give him that more props and more respect for that, especially because you know at the end at the end scene where the guys are in the hospital at, with Stevie, Ray says something like, um, you know, you're the, you're 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 the one guy that I know that takes the, the biggest hits, right? And then he's like, so he's like, but you know, you don't have to. So although I respect you for, you know, for doing the things that we do, yeah. trying to keep up, yeah. you do know you don't have to, you can still be that kid. Yeah. So I think that you've got, you got a place in this crew as, as yeah. you want to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. To, yeah. So I think that obviously at that point he earns, he earns he, his stripes. He, yeah. He kind of cements his stripes as yeah. well at that point. But it, yeah, it kind of just, uh, they, they kind of elevated more than I, I suppose Ruben by any stretch now yeah um, but because of his bravery and you know he's uh, his, his, his ballsiness basically to do to do these things yeah yeah whereas Ruben you know he he for that jump he kind of goes for it but he never quite well he backs out and then Stevie who can barely fucking ride <laughs> a skateboard <laughs> yeah. yeah I loved that scene how the music built up and you yeah. felt like oh maybe this is going to be like a you know you're duped because it's sort of coming of age thing and yeah, then it yeah. just it, drops it, yeah, yeah exactly I was just going to go back to the um, subtlety thing um, I think I, I, the scene at, when he gets with the girl at the party, I thought was was quite interesting how much time was spent on that. You know, you, it's like to the guys, it was like, oh, Stevie, you scored with this girl. But when you actually see the scene, she realizes that he's he's suppo- he's probably never never had sex. Yeah. yeah. And um, well, he's 11. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, ne- he's never hooked up with anyone and she's kind of like, are you, you know, are you afraid? And yeah. he's like, yeah, a little bit. And I just thought that was handled a lot more delicately. The fact it was even handled, you know, yeah, they could yeah, have yeah. just not shown it. And yeah. actually after that, you do have the scene with the boys where Stevie is, is just being like, like uh, what's yeah. going on? But, but actually what you do is you have, you have a, a large conversation with the girls and you see what yeah, they but, think about it yeah, as well. Debrief. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought, it just. I well, think that was it, the most. Um, I think what it says about Jonah Hill is that he wants to show everyone from different sides. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we think of the nostalgic aspect of this film? Didn't have. I mean, yeah, it kind of reminded me of some of my childhood, but you know, it didn't yeah. remind much of it. Because I I read somewhere that Jonah Hill's like two rules were like no skate no skate porn and no nostalgia porn. So I think what his thing with with that was don't make it so that it's just about recreating the era. We want to make it about Stevie's story, not about the fact that. You know, yeah. you but could play Tekken two with your, you know, this, back then nostalgia porn. But he does, Tekken he does, he does put like references in. Like, uh, I mean, the be- the best one, my favorite one, was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle bed sheets. Oh yeah, um, I, I love that, that cool. show. Yeah, like proper nineties. Yeah, um, 
Was yeah, that the one that did it for you? <laughs> I, I think that they. I think that. Well, I guess the point is, is that he, he in order in order to make this film as though it was in the mid '90s, you obviously have to recreate have to elements. But I think from a story perspective, it it was not obsessed with. It didn't rely on it. Ste- yeah, it didn't rely on Nothing it. Nothing relied on it. There wasn't a scene where Steve walked down the street and there was, you know. I wish I had a phone. Hit, yeah, or like <laughs> with his Walkman and like. Yeah. <laughs> what's really interesting, what I've from what I've been looking at reviews and stuff is he didn't want to make it nostalgic and it isn't in the story but i think when people watch it they get nostalgic because yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's it feels and maybe we can debate this but I f- it feels like it's quite a faithful adaptation of what it probably was like in yeah. that area yeah, yeah. At, in that year which we forget is really hard to do it's really hard to to it's, make it exact the amount of people i've seen who said yeah this is this was basically what it was like for me i mean maybe i wasn't in america when i was skating but yeah this is what it felt like in that time of year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, there's one thing to dress up your fucking costume, you know, Ghostbusters costumes or whatever. Um, <laughs> or and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> all that. Yeah. And, and you just say like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're in the, the 80s or 90s yeah. or whatever. But here, it's very subtle. I mean, it's the, so like you were saying, uh, the subtlety of the movie. Um, the nostalgic bits either come from the way the story's handled, which is, yes, true. Um, and then the whole aesthetic of it. So small stuff like the T-shirts used, uh, the brands used, um, the way they would they would carry themselves and the way they would wear their clothes. Yeah. That that's what most of the nineties like kind of looked like. Yeah. So it wasn't about you know the biggest movies on the on the marquee or whatever. It was about you know the small things, the everyday things, the mundane things, the T-shirts you wear, the, or the you know the socks the fourth grade can't afford. What well, well, I guess the point I'm making is that skateboarding in films is kind of is um is shown in a certain way isn't it it's shown as a certain like pastime that like everyone did and i I think what he probably felt was that it wasn't represented in film in the way that he remembered it or would or at least because i don't think it's it's not a semi-autobiographical thing it's it's really not even an autobiographical thing no just uh it's just just an observation of maybe someone that he wanted to be when he was growing up emulate someone um yeah well which is what the which is what movies are good for I suppose really? so I mean that's what um, another film film this uh, mid 90s uh, reminded me of um, was a Larry Clark film Who so he did Kids yeah I was about to say Kids <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is uh, What's Up Rockers and it's, uh, it's a bunch of um, I think they were Latino yeah 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 they were Latino bunch of Latino kids in high school um, that were skateboarders non-professional or anything uh, but yeah they were like punk rock skateboarders who I kind of gravitated to more because those were the kind of kids out not Latino but the punk rock uh, yeah, skateboarders yeah. that I uh, grew up around I will say that that my although not my favourite or almost up there somewhere up there um, scene out of mid 90s was um, Stevie um, where he's just kind of like choking himself with a controller um, yeah Tian and I spoke about this as well which so what I t- I'm not sure what you guys took away from this but the way I kind of thought about this is okay one thing you might just be thinking like oh he just grabbed the control because it's the closest thing to the hand but it's kind of a thing of him letting letting himself go of his like kind of childhood he wants to be considered more than a child now because he wants his mom to take him seriously he doesn't want, want you know he He's like a mini baby ad- in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's becoming an adult. But he's becoming point, a man. So I think the choice to you know to to use the, to the controller, controller was, wire. Yeah, it, it seemed intentional yeah. for me at least because he was kind of letting go of of him being a child now. And just just to be clear, you're talking about the scene when he runs in and ties the controller wire around him around and his neck. tries. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which 
I got such a reaction in the cinema we yeah, were in. Yeah, people... It, because it was so out of the it was such a quick shot and it was so out of the blue yeah but you know young kids they, they would just overreact to things they'd be like oh I'm running away yeah. me and my toys are gone yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. this was just that kind of thing yeah. obviously taken to a much bigger scale yeah there's another one earlier where he um when he's stealing the money out of his mum's drawer yeah. with his brother what Lu- <laughs> Lucas Hedges is just Lucas standing Hed- there Lucas Hedges is like <laughs> do it do it he just takes you- the 40 bucks yeah <laughs> and skips <laughs> Oh, that was it. That was that was funny. So, yeah, so no, his brother. He just stands he, there wearing the baggy jeans and is like, "Do it." Stevie takes the money and then he's drinking and then gives it too. to his brother and then he blames it on his brother. <laughs> it was him. Yeah, that is good. But in, no, in that scene, he um, so he does it and then um, for my the way I viewed it was he he regretted it and then like starts scrubbing his leg with a brush. Yeah, or something, yeah, 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 yeah. Like which looked really painful and he was kind of just angry at himself for doing it well yeah. that was how I viewed it yeah I, well, think, then, I don't think you're wrong so the scene where you know he comes home and Lucas Hedges <laughs> so basically the scene where Lucas Hedges comes into his bedroom in like dead of the night just beats the shit out of him that was yeah it reminded oh, me of that full was, metal jacket mask as well. yeah. yeah with the mask yeah. yeah with the soap oh yeah that was weird <laughs> yeah yeah what was that mask about it, it was, you see him like eating cereal with it it's been all he's got, <laughs> yeah it's like what but why is he wearing it I, I, I've read a couple of reviews that have called like that a, out as just being like it's a, it just makes no sense <laughs> just at a dinner table just creepy I think his character, he was obviously going through... It's so interesting you talk about this because I would never have come out of the film and thought, oh, Lucas Hedges' character was was really, really weird. I just would have... I kind of took as like... I think I was more more into Stevie and it's just he's an older brother that just just beats him up because basically every scene they have, he's beating him up. Now we speak about it, he's kind of weirder and weirder. Yeah, it does. He's getting... And the scene where he just stands there, what he takes the money, (laughs) is just... Weird. Like, why didn't you just take the money and just blame it on, on Stevie? <laughs> on Stevie, yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's a strange power dynamic going on. What do you guys think about... Um, obviously, there's been countless indie features of what I would consider kind of like young guys growing up, coming of age, like joining a new family dynamic of some sort. Like, do you think mid-90s earns its place at the at the coming of age table? Or do you think that... It, think, do, you, do you think it breaks new ground? I think for me it does, mainly because it's so... Although it is stylized and the way the movie is done overall, yeah. none of... No scenes, like, by themselves are very stylized. It's kind of natural happening. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned earlier, me and Earl, that seemed like very, like, scene... This scene has to follow this, this scene has to follow that. And, you know, that's not what coming of age usually is. It's usually just, like, you fucking stumbling in the dark and you maybe yeah. maybe you find your place of refuge. That's heavily stylized, that Yeah. Earl. So, for me, this film, yeah, really does tick the boxes. And for me, just like what's up, Rocker, uh, I don't know, back almost 10 years ago, when I watched it, um, for me, it was really well done because I thought it was just, like, it was just, like, follow a day in the life of, you know, mm. uh, that film was. And this is... a. A, I don't know uh, a week or a month in the in the life in of the Stevie, life of, yeah. and you see how he kind of uh, he breaks his own mold of being the kid uh, the the kid at the house, and then yeah. kind of forming his own path yeah. and finding his own identity there um, w- within the crew. So he's not he's not Stevie really, he's a uh, sunburn, you know. Yeah, and yeah. he and unlike so unlike Ruben, he's like oh yeah, it's not very cool to have nicknames or whatever. Um, he's happy to have it because he's, it's, it's he's a new ha- path for him yeah it's a new path he can forge his own path he can be anyone who wants to be and that's pretty much what coming of age usually is you form yeah. your own identity now because you're in this new group of people and you kind of like oh who I actually want to be now yeah you know 
I think it was really f- like a faithful adaptation of of like the skate culture at that time and what it probably was like to join yeah. that kind of crew and run around. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's cool. What, what the thing that I love is it's just it's cool to see a coming of age film done like that and act- and it's and it works and it's successful. Yeah. I kind of find that quite inspiring. Yeah, in in like thinking about kind of other coming of age films where it almost feels a little bit like you got to have some sort of big revelation or something that there, there wasn't this was a film of small moments yeah, wasn't it quite grounded yeah. yeah 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 that's pretty much how it, it is. goes back to the camera work as well it, it it isn't trying to tell you a bigger thing or have a sweeping wide landscape shots and or close-up handheld like the way that other people use kind yeah. of 16 mil i feel like it's, it was it was quite specific and i thought that was cool felt like there was a vision behind it so it's set in LA, right? And you know how in LA movies they usually like have these like massive, uh, like first like landscape shots because yeah. it is LA. This literally could, because they had none of those shots. This could be in any town, in anywhere in the world. And I think that's that's that might have been intentional as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. So that it's like you, it doesn't have to be way in LA. more it's relatable it's now. Yeah, it's way more relatable. You know. Yeah, it's true. There wasn't really anything that gave away, other than it was in the states. It, there was nothing. Well, yeah, that yeah, yeah. This really could be gave... anywhere in Utah, or fucking LA, or yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, maybe not New York. Anywhere where it's hot. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So for me, I think that was well done as well, because you know, it's that's the when you have a microscopic events like this, you know, where nothing really happens, you can relate them almost to your own life because you're like, you know, this could this could have been you. In, yeah. In, I know a lot of like, there's been a lot of negative reviews around the fact that there's like no plot. Has there been negative? I have not <clears throat> read any reviews. There's a, co- so there's no a couple. There's a couple yeah. out there that, and I was intrigued to just look at them because I I wanted to get like a wholesome opinion on it and. I think it was. It's just interesting. Some some people just aren't gelling with the fact that there's that there's little plot, and also little characterization. Some of the things were, were, they were talking about how Stevie isn't isn't really ever that vulnerable as a character. You, you know, you could argue like, yeah, well, he is because he he you know he messes up the skateboarding and he does that that um, he falls over and he bleeds out and there's like you know, but there's there. I suppose there aren't scenes that try to that like embarrass him or show him up. Oh. And you can kind of relate to him in that way. I think they do. Okay, so throughout, so okay, so um, they do show him vulnerable. Maybe not in every fucking scene, but it it's what builds it all up to. So um, so okay, so he kind of nails almost everything he aims at, mm. which is fair. Uh, shows his bravado and he how he kind of how he's desperate to join the screw. So yeah. he'll try anything once, you know. Yeah. Um, but then you know all all this shit that he goes through. <laughs> all the beatdowns, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> you Lucas. know, they have a turning point, and that's the point where he kind of tries to strangle himself, and then, yeah. and then that scene follows with Ray, and he's like, you know, I can't take this shit sometimes. So he is vulnerable. Okay, he's not, you know, he's not vulnerable in every scene, nor why should a kid be? Not, not every kid is like, you know, breaking down at every. That's yeah, what, I agree. That's I, another nineties I... point. <laughs> no kids, there were no snowflakes back then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, there's no, yeah, there's no kind of. Twitter feeds yeah, or I mean, Instagram you, feeds yeah, for you, you to fall, you fall to down you, you get back up yeah so that's that's I know yeah that's that's, that's for sure that was but, and I think but that goes back to this subtle versus um, brutal thing I yeah. feel like that is what's so great about this film is that there's like there's small moments small nuances small yeah. things that you recognise but and they then, lead up to yeah the opposite they, and then it just goes the opposite of that like yeah, it just exactly. gets Punch in the face by Lucas Hedges holding an orange juice, <laughs> orange juice jug. Jesus, um, you know, or his mum comes in and pulls him out of the crew. There's lots of different scenes mm. where you just you suddenly are, are brought into it, almost woken up a bit. 
a scene I really liked um, was when Ray makes him that new skateboard. That was cool. Like he, he was forging a, a, a sword. Oh, yeah. It's but like a... That's um, it to him. That's like what right, it was. Right passage. Right yeah. passage, yeah. When he, when he carves out the... Um, oh, the sound is so satisfying. The grip or whatever the, it is. The yeah. mat that goes on it. Yeah. yeah. That was um, cool. I liked that. That's the point where Ruben's like, fuck that. I'm leaving. Poor yeah. Ruby. Bring but back Ruben, Ruben like rips him off for his board at the at the start. Yeah, you know, forty bucks for a piece of shit. He's bro. a wheeler dealer. Yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, no, this one's great, and it's like, it's a great love, deal for you, bro. Wait, what is what's the board that he turns up with? You know, oh, like, like the eighties. Uh, um, yeah. He's like, they just keep bow, ta- <laughs> they keep taking the piss out of him for yeah, having yeah. that board. I don't know. I can't remember. It's, it's like bright yellow or some shit. But it wasn't even like a straight skateboard Cowabunga as well. Or something yeah, like that. it was like it was like a fat wide one. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like a <laughs> you Bart like Simpson board. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Cowabunga. Yeah. Funny enough, the one I I didn't skate like when I was younger, but there was this one this one time. Um, or I was at this park. Um, and there was a few, and there was literally like there was a couple of guys who were really good at skateboarding. Mm. Um, and there was another guy who had one of those like big skateboards that he has originally. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So um, there was a massive hill in this park with like a pavement so you could skate on it. <laughs> we uh, we watched it. Um, this the guy who had the big skateboard was trying to kind of get in with these guys. Yeah. So he skated down the hill and he was going really fast. <laughs> Basically, he just completely stacked. It. <laughs> it was just uh, it was brutal. Was that, was, the, that um, the, was that the story? That was the story. You, you had to be there. That was my that was my that was my very own mid late nineties. <laughs> yeah. That's how I associate with it. I suppose maybe there's some truth in the scene where he just goes to do it and just drops. It's like that's probably what happens most of the time when you try and do a, yeah. a, a jump or a yeah, trick, absolutely. especially when you're 11 years old and you're trying to clear a space that's bigger than that's like, yeah, <laughs> twice, twice or three twice times the size of you. That's um, running before you can walk. I thought the music was quite interestingly used in this. So you got Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails and Atticus Ross, who did the Social Network music, which I know Teal's a big fan of. Um, Great soundtrack. But the uh, the soundtrack for this, I felt, was... And they also do the soundtrack for the Leonardo DiCaprio documentary Before the Flood, which has a great soundtrack. It's these long droning beats, which I yeah. think is um, what Social Network kind of had to it a little bit. Yeah. You could have quite easily taken some of the soundtrack out, and I'm not... I don't know how much if, like effect it really would have had, but I think it was there to just kind of give the film another layer of aesthetic. Well, yeah, I mean... In the beginning, um, where he's kind of cruising through um, Lucas Hedge's bedroom, yeah, um, it had uh, it had Trent's uh, and Atticus's uh, soundtrack going on. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really good. I thought that the that very first scene really yeah. built aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but having said that, um, I don't know. For me, this was all about soundtrack of the yeah. of what, what I remember is, is the music. Yeah. 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 Not ninety three to infinity. Kiss from a rose. There was some really great, great music. Yeah, um, probably so where most of the budget went. Probably, which is undisclosed. For the budget sake. is undisclosed. Can't seem to find the budget online anywhere. It's almost as if it's been removed. Jonah Hill shouted us. What was the budget? Yeah, I, th- I suppose a lot of it went on the music. I guess what I'm saying is, it's interesting that they got two quite well-known composers and music people. Oscar winners. Oscar winners to do the soundtrack when yeah. the well to do the score when the soundtrack was so heavily populated with like. Tracks yeah, more, that most people know. It's more remembered by you know by the soundtrack, not the score. I think scores are things that you either really notice or you don't, right? Yeah. They're yeah, not something yeah. that you. Yeah. But I just I think for me there was just uh, I think it was really the first scene, as you said, just, and that then really the, just jumps out. Yeah, and and sometimes when he went home and Lucas Hedges 
beat him up. <laughs> that was they were, they used a score there, which I think was like an, un, an it's like an undercurrent. It was like an undercurrent throughout the film that just reminded you that I think was there a score? Was it just like meat got pounded on meat? <laughs> probably there's probably that, but there just to remind you that that, that he's still in that world. Uh, Lucas Hedges is batshit crazy. <laughs> that he's just gonna like he's gonna mess you up. <laughs> We've all seen Skate Kitchen, right? Um, fell asleep. Okay, so good asleep. answer. You've seen it. Yep. yep. Teal's seen it. Brew fell asleep. We've all we've all done it. It's from a different era. It's it's almost I suppose the counterparts of this film in the it's like from a current era, isn't it? It's from a current era. What do we? How do we think they compare? Because I was gonna say, um, Skate Kitchen kind of relies on uh, like Instagram a bit at the start. Like that's how she finds. That's actually yeah. how she actually finds out about the yeah. skate kitchen group. Well, it's interesting you say that, and I mean, so that you say that's almost like a driving, almost force to find a group. Mm. Um, and here we we said earlier that you know mid nineties relies on no technology because that's the way you bonded. Yeah. So it just shows how people bond nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So should we move on to Vimeo short of the week? Yeah, you shall. We um, which we which is just one, um, which was called. Ben. ben, Ben is back. No, it's called Ben, um, which stands for bio, non, biolic, bionically engineered nursing. Makes sense to me. It was directed by David Wilson. Um, we all watched this. It's like five, six minutes long. That's quite um, sure. And it's basically about how old people, when they have care, or, or old people nowadays, when they when they need care in their own home, this robot called Ben, which come, which kind of lives with you. And looks after you. Which I think is a great another connection to mid nineties. I know we keep going back to this. Yeah. Um, but for a quick second here, um so mid nineties was all about bonding for real and this is what that short tried to say that we prefer bonding actual with real nurses. People. Yeah. Yeah. Over the short over the course of the short it basically kind of just shows her feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And with just a robot helping her. Yeah. Well kind of like feeling alienated for from the the single yeah, person like, yeah. but robot who's trying to help you and you're like you're not connecting it, on it any does level. like the purpose of it, it does a purpose but it doesn't do anything beyond that yeah, yeah yeah did you guys like this what did you think i did i thought like um is that well is that kind of like the future i mean you know um families nowadays might just put people into a nursing home but not to feel so cruel they would just install a fucking robo because they know something or someone else is there yeah which is like an interesting point I mean would you would you rather put uh, I know your parents or whatever into a nursing home where they can would you rather have Amazon Alexa look look after exactly Alexa look after your parents exactly interesting interesting. Alexa I actually took it a kind of well until the end I took it a different way when I when we reached the halfway point of the film so I thought at the beginning the robot's there to help her um, and then I thought maybe the, the robot was kind of controlling her when he like well first of all there's a bit where the robot watches her sleep which I thought was a bit creepy yeah um, and then when she doesn't wake up for it or doesn't respond when she wakes up in the morning yeah he says I've notified the doctor I was like oh it's kind of I wondered for a second whether it was going to go down the route of the doctor and the robot were kind of controlling her Obviously, oh, that's okay. not what it was. But yeah, yeah. I was like, at that point, I was like, where's it going to go? You know, when it cut to um, to the robot asking her, I'm here. Are you are you yeah, awake? Yeah. I thought when the camera... I thought she'd... She'd passed away. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to go in another direction where the robot kind of assumed... We are fucking sinister, aren't we? Yeah. I think it heavily implies It heavily implied it. Yeah, I think. Um, but I, it was an entertaining short. It looked like it might have been a short film made for a, a kind of company that yeah, champions we, we can't miss uh, we can't be kind of misleading with this yeah. it definitely looked like an advert um, especially the way it ends yeah 
Um, but it, I don't. So it's not. It's company not company or a charity. Or yeah, or. it's not an ad in the typical sense. It is a short film made for a for a company which has a yeah yeah like a big narrative. Yeah, I mean the, the robot itself reminded me from Big Hero Six, the yeah. fat blob. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that's also reminded me of Frank. That film is it? Frank with with Fastbender. Fast, Fastbender, yeah. Oh, where he has that robot Remind, head. Reminded it's me a, of it's not a, he's not a robot. It's a big big head of paper mache head. Yeah, yeah. Is it not a robot? There's a Frank I've robot seen, film as well. Oh, oh sorry, a yeah, different Frank. Yeah, what are you talking <laughs> about? Two Franks. Yeah, there's what, one. What Franks do you know, bro? What's the film that you're talking there's, about? There's one. There's one where um. Have you, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen yeah, it. There's one where um, Michael Fassbender plays this rock star who wears this paper mache mask over his head and never takes it off. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite good. It's got um, Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson. Anyway, wrong, wrong Frank. Yeah. Yeah, the, watch the other Frank, um, which was entertaining enough when it came out. Are we recommending this short? Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's three and a half minutes. It's not like the most stuff of the week or anything, but for that reason especially, I think it's good yeah. to... Check it Nicely out shot as well. Yeah. Really like the long tracking shots that, yeah, that had a spin budget. around. Yeah, yeah. all the music. Yeah. yeah, so that's Ben, um, and it's directed by David Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have a question this week. I know. Because mid nineties well, has it. come out in the UK and it's no one's seen it. Well it's yep. it's only come out in the UK, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's theatrically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I thought I would say that if anyone wants to get in contact, they can uh Email us at firstfilmpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at firstfilmpod. Use Twitter, it's easier. Use Twitter, it's much easier. And I don't know if anyone knows if email still exists. Just saying. Just saying. We're not. We're out of the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah sadly. <laughs> <laughs> Want to go back to that pre-email era. Yeah, but... Page me. Do you, did the film make you, I don't know, long, like be nostalgic in that, you know, like, oh, it was kind of a simpler time? Not really, I just thought it was cool. But I, I wasn't I mean, kind of longing to be back there. Yeah. Probably, what it did for me is that it didn't like make me wish I didn't have a fucking cell. It just, uh, it just, it definitely drew me into the film so much that I forgot emails and phones existed yeah. to that point, like cell phones. Yeah. So, or you know, Instagram, like Skate Kitchen, they kind of remind you of it. Yeah. Um, but whereas this film kind of draws you in so much that you forget you're really drawn into that '90s era where you forget that you know that you know cell phones and shit existed. Existed, yeah. yeah. Which was good, I think. Yeah. Saw a really interesting thing that was saying what what would coming of age films look like in about this era? W- yeah, like in ten years, looking back at found like, you on Instagram, <laughs> bro. <laughs> in 2018, yeah, what, probably I mean, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, going back to Skate Kitchen, that's that was how it was dealt with. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to think. I suppose it wouldn't be weird if someone set a coming of age in 2018 and people just, you know, met at a party or whatever. Like, it's not. It isn't. It's not as if it. Well, I'll be pissed off today that uh, rem- not that I watch a lot of romantic comedies, but I'll be pissed off today where it's like all just like swiping, swiping, swiping <laughs> left or whatever. What in the end? And it, and you, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but you know. yeah. But I think I, sure I suppose if they, a coming of age being made now won't 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 be able to ignore the influence of social media and the use of people. Well, yeah, because the thing yeah. is, you have to remember that kids now grow up in an era that they don't know what it was like when that shit didn't exist. Yeah, so they have no well, not no no memory. because mid nineties must be virtually un- unrecognizable to some yeah. younger people watching like, it. Yeah. my my cousin would not understand. Because she was born way well later. Yeah. Yeah. By the time that 
everyone had a computer everyone had a cell phone yeah know? I mean so. people people grow, people born now the last few years like everything they'll always have a touch screen like we never touch screen was like nowhere near around when we grew up yeah, yeah. but then again we there's just, that thing where if you give a young kid a, a phone yeah, they'll just start or, pressing or on the normal, screen or a normal TV they'll touch the screen yeah. they assume it's, yeah. yeah I mean we do come across as fucking old men, but I was born in oh, mid nineties, oh, oh, oh. by the way. So yeah. ninety five was for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, early nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, cool. Hopefully, I don't get to see that fucking film where Instagram is coming of age. I hope not. Yeah. I know that. Give it time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All just it will be like searching, but it would all be just based on a, on a, on an app. <laughs> Watch this new coming of age film. Yeah, let's not let's not give anyone any ideas. We've actually completely forgot to uh, to say that um, Fruitvale Station is still very much. Oh yeah, the something Co- the that Coogs, man. Yeah, Coogs. Brian Coogler is someone that we're very much gonna cover in a future app, but we uh, we've all seen mid nineties recently, so we wanted to get it out. But True. we teased that at the end of the Thunder Road episode. Exactly. So, so, to- make, so plot super, like, twist, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is- isn't Fruitvale. This is kids skateboarding in. Oh my god! What's the wrong downtown, fucking film? Downtown LA. Yeah, no. Um, but we will cover it we'll in a later it. app, um, and that is a great movie. So, what are we doing next? The uh- Next ne- pod. Next pod. Um, I suppose. Uh, we think we, on your feet. We could do Fruitvale. I think we should just do Fruitvale. We, we, you promise people. Shit and I you promise don't Fruitvale. I'm delivering Fruitvale. <laughs> Fruitvale's happening next episode. Uh, Ryan Coogler's debut. Who's done Creed, Black Panther. Uh, uh, I didn't see what Black Panther. You haven't seen like, Black Panther. It's like a small move, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was that small indie film. Um, mm. Sundance, cra- Sundance winner or some shit. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get it. I, I, don't see the big fuss. No. Um, okay, cool. So um, it's. Uh, <laughs> I need to make sure that I remember my name. Uh, it's goodbye from third grade. Great. Goodbye from Teal. Adios. It's goodbye from Brew. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening. Check into the next episode of You Never Forget Your First. <laughs>